have a special treat for you on the podcast today, an interview with Vicki Louise, who's a time hacking coach. She coaches people in how to optimize their time in order to have the life they want. In this episode, we're calling BS in the thought, I don't have enough time. We talk all about how more time never creates faster or better results, the number one thing that gets in the way of optimizing our time, and then she leaves us with three hacks to help us not just be more productive with our time, but change our experience of it so that we feel more present and enjoy the time we have. You ready? Let's get to it. Welcome to the Ambitious and Balanced Working Mom Podcast, the place for women who want to balance their ambitious career goals with their life as a mom. If you're looking to feel more confident, decisive, and productive at both work and home, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Rebecca Olson. Let's get to it. All right, Working Moms, I'm super excited for today's podcast because I have a guest. This is Vicki. Say hello, Vicki. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Super excited. I'm going to have her introduce you here in a moment, but we're going to be talking all about time. Vicki is like the queen of talking about time, and that's why she is here to talk to us today. Let's just get started with you talking a little bit about yourself, Vicki, and then we'll, we'll jump into to talking about time and and all the things about time. Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me. Such a treat to be here. Yeah. So I call myself a reformed hustler turned time hacker. And (laughs) really... (laughs) So good. (laughs) What I mean by that is like, I've always wanted to have it all. I've always wanted to be successful. And a lot of the formula and a lot of what I was taught or what I was reading and consuming when I was younger told me to have it all, you have to do it all. So Mm -hmm. I really did it all. And I mean, like three jobs at the same time. I mean, working alongside doing some of the most challenging qualifications while relocating countries, like whatever there is, I definitely did it. And I just found myself at that point of like, I can't do anymore and I'm not creating what I want to create. And that's when I really stepped away from the hustle and was actually able to achieve a lot more. And I did that through some hacks that we'll speak about today. But the basic premise and and the big thing that I realized was like, oh, like time doesn't create my results. We say like, and it's, and it's never that we don't have time. There's always something underneath that, right? Like we live in the world where we can do so much in such a short amount of time. Like literally think about 30 years ago to go and do a masterclass in front of a hundred people. Like what, how are we going to do that? How was that going to happen? It was going to take a lot of time. And now it can be done like in a day. So time is no longer the excuse. And I think we still use that language. And underneath it are why I teach us the principles of time hacking, which we can speak about today. So um, I also... Yeah, host- so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I love I just love the idea that you are a reformed a reformed hustler turned time hacker. And so one of the things you just said that like really really struck me, I just wrote it down too is that just time time is no longer the excuse because for working moms, time is always the excuse. 
always, always, always. There's never enough time. There's never enough time to get through everything you need to get through at work. There's never enough time to spend with your kids. There's never enough time for yourself. We just kind of accept the idea as working moms that we're just not going to have enough time. And that's just going to be it. And we have to settle for this idea. And I think that's one of the, the big reasons why I wanted to talk to you specifically about time is because it's this very ingrained you know, philosophy almost that we live by. And so I love the idea. I love what you just said, that it's, it's this excuse that we still have, even though it's not really, it's not really the excuse, right? So like, I'm just curious what, as you've started to uncover some of those things behind the excuse that there's not enough time, what do you normally find? Well, so I bet for a lot of your listeners, there's a lot of like a, a trying to not disappoint people. Like if we're not willing to disappoint our kids or our colleagues or our partners, then we take on more than literally we can do. And so the problem isn't that we don't have enough time. We have hours in a day. The problem is we're not willing to disappoint people. So we take on more than is reasonable. And then the problem is we don't have enough time when really it's like, it's okay to say no. It's okay to extend deadlines. It's okay to like, you know, especially as women, I think we're so conditioned to like say yes and to give, give, give. And if you are a working mom, that's two very big roles. And in your conditioning to give, 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 the person you're not giving to is yourself. So you're constantly pouring from negative, net negative. And then the easiest way to explain that is to say you don't have enough time when really it's, I didn't want to say no to my kids. I didn't want to say no to the school. I didn't want to say no to my boss. Like, if, like, if we were willing to say no, we wouldn't have this time problem. That's one example, right? Yeah, I love that. And that's definitely one one big one. So is just getting it wrong. Like that's another one that comes up all the time. Just that the you know, we could call that failure on on the big level, right? But it's just we need to get it right. <laughs> and we want to avoid all of the icky feelings that come if we get it wrong. And so it's easier to say we don't have enough time. And that be the excuse maybe why we didn't get it right. <laughs> we didn't get it wrong. We didn't get it right and, and, and we failed. It's easier to like blame that on not having enough time than to just say like, I, I personally didn't do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that's like literally the step, step three of time hacking is to embrace failure and rejection. Um, and it's literally like for anyone listening, the quickest way to do something, to figure something out, is to fail at doing it a lot. And when we're avoiding failing, we are avoiding figuring out how to do anything. And we're wasting our time in like what I see my clients do and probably you too, which is like busy work, right? Like someone literally the other day was like, I need to make money. I'm going to go rewrite my website. I was like, how many people do you think are going to your website? Tell me. <laughs> Right? Why don't you write what right. you're going to write on social media? It's like, oh, because other people will see me. They'll have thoughts. They'll reject me. I'll fail. Then I know it's really not going to work. It's like, isn't it better to know it's not working? Right, right. As soon as possible. <laughs> as soon as possible. But it's highly uncomfortable, which is where another thing, I know you just did an episode on rest. So when we are doing the uncomfortable work, when we are failing more, we have to rest. We have to give ourselves downtime. It's completely unsustainable, which is where I teach about how to optimize your time off as well as your time on. 
Yeah. Oh gosh, I love that. And yeah, I want definitely want to hear a little bit more about that as we as we kind of go through some of your hacks as we talk about that for sure. One of the things that really strikes me as we just talk about failing is just generally speaking, wanting something other than us to be the excuse. And I'm curious about that. Like we're just not willing to sometimes do the hard work and look at ourselves and say, I can improve. Like we would rather just say, I didn't have enough time or my boss couldn't give me this or my kids are this way or whatever. We, we look to something outside of us as being the reason why we can't accomplish whatever we want to accomplish or get the results that we want to have or have the balance that we want in our life or whatever it is versus just saying it's me. <laughs> like it's just, it's me. It's my fault. Like there's something I'm doing. There's something that needs to change within me. I need to think a little bit different. I'm curious how that, like what your thoughts are on that and why it is that we just can't look inward and, and say, and like take ownership sometimes. Cause that seems to be what it's all about. Yeah, like I say, I think we live in a society where we do really have these outdated excuses, like things being hard. Like, what does hard even mean? Is our work hard? Is it hard to write an email? Or is that like from back in the day when we used to farm the land and things were physically hard? I think a lot of it, if we look into its roots, comes from like how we've been socialized, but also how we evolved. If we think about um, how we evolved through tribes and tribes, like if you failed, back then it was dangerous for the whole tribe and that was therefore dangerous for you as an individual because if you were seen as potentially harmful to a tribe you would not stay in that tribe and then you would not survive alone so we have these two forces at play that really reward not taking ownership and I, but I will say on the flip side, I'd be interested to hear what you see in your clients is sometimes I see this the other way of like not taking empowered responsibility, taking the kind of responsibility where we like shame ourselves and judge ourselves and go down that hole of like, it's because everything I do is wrong and I'm a bad person instead of like constructive responsibility, which is almost like, okay, this happened. This is what I would do differently. This is what I've learned. This is what I can implement. And I just think there's like a powerful difference. I do want to make it clear to the listeners that we're not saying like, you're responsible and you're wrong. It's more like, guess what? Our, every single person in life, their life is full of mistakes. That's kind of what we do here. That's our thing. We right, mess up, right. we learn <laughs> and we evolve. Right, this is what right. evolution is. So For sure. No, I think that's an interesting way to see the flip side of it, that there's there's really two... There's the groupings of people that tend to want to blame everything outside of them versus taking responsibility or ownership. And then there's the group of people that take all of the ownership and it's all of their fault. Then they just go into the blame, the shame, the beat up cycle, and they feel awful about themselves. Both actually feel really awful. The, the like, I don't have any control and it's, I, it's like, it's out of my hands and I can't create the life that I want or like I'm not able to like I'm incapable of I'm not I'm not good enough to do that and that I can't have the life that I want right both both of those feel absolutely terrible and there's one thing that I love that you talk about a lot Vicky which is that we have to just expect a human life like yes it, if we really stop and we think about what what a human life's is and as you just said it's like it's messy right it's really messy and it's supposed to be messy we're supposed to not feel great 
half of the time in our life. There's an entire range of emotions that don't feel good. And it's as if we, when, whenever we hit that emotion, all of a sudden we go, oh my gosh, something is wrong. We need to fix this right away. This isn't right. Like humans don't experience this, right? Right. <laughs> they stop of like, I always say we compare like our lowest moments to like someone's best three seconds that they've shared on social and, media. Right. Totally. Like, totally. And as you say, it's like we're part of, I think, what makes us special is that we are human. Can we love that part of ourselves instead of wishing ourselves to be robots? Like no one actually wants to live in a world of robots. Like we just don't want it. And the second thing for everyone to think about and how I teach it is our emotions are indicators. That's their job. They're not like good or bad, right or wrong, they're literally indicators. And like, for example, fear, we can be like, I don't want to feel fear. You do want to feel fear. Like when I'm going to cross the street, fear indicates to me to like do something and look at both sides <laughs> both of the road. ways, yeah. right? right? <laughs> I like, tell that to my four-year-old a lot when he wants to cross the street, who hasn't developed the fear thing yet inside yeah. of him to know that, that he needs to look both ways. Totally. That's so interesting that you see that in your four-year-old, that he's not developed the fear thing yet. So you have to remind him. Exactly. So you like, you want him to have the skill of experiencing fear. And then when it shows up for us, the only problem is our reaction to it or our disappointment because of it or what we make it mean that it showed up about us, about our success, about our ability to do things instead of like, it's just an indicator. And then I get to make a decision. Like it's not, dis no emotion is disempowering. It's our reaction to those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Which I imagine this comes up a lot when you start working with clients on essentially getting everything they want out of life in less time. Right. And so when you go about trying to do that, my guess is like one of the main thing that just gets in the way of you going after that with, you know, being having more and less time is a feeling is a just is there's there's something it's just an emotion that's between between where you are now and this kind of other side where time is no longer the excuse and you're you're actually still getting everything done that you want to get done in a much shorter period of time. I'm curious about what that is for you and what you see in your clients. Yes, and I will say fear is a big one. Fear is a big one. It's like when when we spend our time trying to eliminate fear or you know, or get rid of it, we are making things take a lot longer versus choosing to feel empowered with fear. And you know, my background with anxiety and panic attacks and so on. And that for me was like one of the biggest ahas in my own story was like, okay, I have anxiety and I can feel in control with anxiety instead of like the anxiety means something's wrong and I need to solve this thing and I need to like get away from the task at hand when like, hey, maybe it makes sense that I feel anxious when I'm about to go live and share some ideas in front of people. And I'm, I'm opening myself up to criticism and judgment and other people's opinions, even though they're probably like not thinking about me. You know, can we have compassion for like fear should be be there like it makes sense that fear is here and once we stop resisting it and we start being like of course you are here then we move so much faster yeah yeah for sure i'm thinking about you know a very uh, the classic kind of corporate working mom who has a very full schedule um, lots of meetings, is in charge of a team, has presentations to write, correspondence to do, 
you know, teams to lead, needs to make time for strategy and vision and so forth. And when they go to try to do more, be more productive in less time, what that usually means is you decide you're going to only spend one hour creating that presentation and then that's it. You're not going to give yourself any more time to finish that presentation, right? Because that's the time that you've allotted yourself versus like, well, I'm just going to get this started and I'm going to see how long this takes and however long and then I'm going to take it home if I didn't finish it and you're going to give yourself all of this time, right? So that's what we're trying to eliminate for working moms. And so what happens though is that hour is coming up to an end (laughs) and they're thinking, I'm not, I'm not even close to being done here. Now you're starting to panic a little bit, right? Because like I told myself, I'm not going to give myself more time. I have to be done at the end of this hour. And there's an immense amount of fear. Like to, to, to your point, that comes up when they think, wow, this is it. Now, if I don't, I, of course you could get yourself back online later and do it, but that's not the balanced life that you want. And so now there's a, there's a fear. Maybe I, maybe it's not going to be good enough. I'm going to have to quote wing some of it. I'm going to have to like trust myself, you know, in a different way. That's (laughs) it. The opposite of fear is trust. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I had a, I had a client and she had a presentation and it was back, you know, in the early COVID days when she was working at home and she thought it was like an hour later than it was. And then people logged in and they were like, <laughs> Hey, we're ready. And she was like, uh, okay. And, right. she, and she was literally in that situation of, I just have to present with what I have. And she said like, she did know everything that she needed to know and she would have taken the full extra hour. And so you know there's certain things we want to check which is like is an hour enough time like to do everything that you need to do not to do the perfect run through five times got all the details researched all the data points kind of thing like is it the main meat like remember when you're presenting for example most people take 20 percent of what you are teaching seen anyway right <laughs> anyway so what if you just committed to just giving the best 20 percent and being like i'm just gonna go in at that level And the second thing is willingness to trust yourself and be like, I actually know this stuff and the slides don't have to be super pretty. And the third thing that I will say here is really like, and and this is going to be uncomfortable, but this is gold. This, This changed everything for me when I implemented it. I call it sitting in the consequence. And what I mean by that is you know, maybe you have an hour and maybe you spend the first 20 minutes researching and getting in some research rabbit holes and do it. And you've not like actually optimized the full hour. So at the end of it, your brain's like, well, we didn't really use that 20 minutes. We should find another 20 minutes. Like letting yourself do something like present and and even mess up. Because I promise you, you're not going to get fired from one presentation that's not A++. So letting yourself go through that experience teaches your brain oh, she was serious when she said one hour. She's not going to cover for us. She's not going to open the computer later. We're not going to work over the weekend. And it means the next time when you sit down for the hour, you have taught your brain and motivated it to show up for the full hour. Um, It's like what we spoke about. You kind of have to let the mistake happen and learn from it instead of always covering. Like imagine always covering for your kids. You just wouldn't. You want to learn. (laughs) Right, right. Of course. Yeah, of course. And, you know, the way that we're talking about it, which isn't always very 
sometimes I always, I have to remember that the listeners don't always think about like the separation between our brain and us. You know, we're talking about our brain as if it's like some other entity, like it's a child we have to teach because it really is. We have to teach our brain. We have to give it the experience of something for it to learn. And when it, when you do that, it gets on board with you so much faster, right? It begins to be, it begins to work on your behalf instead of kind of in resistance. You know, the brain, just generally speaking, is a very much about survival and keeping things nice and safe and keeping things nice and easy. Like that's kind of its job because the easier and safer you are, the longer you're going to live <laughs> ultimately, right? The longer you're going to survive. And so that's what it's always going to do unless you teach it otherwise. And in this case, to your point, like the best way to teach it is to to experience the consequences to put your hand in the fire and for go wow ow that hurts let's not do that again yes and i love that you made that differentiation for the listeners as well because to me that was the most mind blowing thing when i first came to this work was like oh my brain i am not my brain because my brain is basically this pre-programmed computer based on survival and our evolution and our social conditioning so i think that's a really important point for everyone to remember is like your brain can say like oh i'm i'm going to go to sleep at 9 p.m. and you can stay up till 10 and your brain can say i'm going to stay up till 10 and you can fall asleep at 9 like your brain is a tool just like your hands and i just think the idea that we just separate those two out is so powerful in itself yeah for sure and that it's trainable you know, the idea that whatever your brain offers to you is not, is, you can either take it or leave it. Like it's not truth just because it says anything. It's not, it's not, it, it isn't anything. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything unless we ascribe meaning to it ultimately. And so, you know, I, I'm thinking about like my, my six-year-old today, this whole morning, she had an, just a terrible morning as we were headed out to school. And I had to just let her, um, she just emoted for probably 45 minutes. She was telling me how she hated school and she told me how she didn't want to do this talent, this talent show thing at school. And she was so nervous about it. And she just, her brain was offering to her that, you know, life was terrible and that she, there was no way to get out of it. And that all she had was to just wallow and be upset and angry. And it just, it felt like she was just digging herself into a hole. I just watched, not her, but I watched her brain do it to her, right? As she got fearful and as she got angry and she got frustrated. And, and it's just, it's so interesting to be able to watch what's going on. And I could see it. I could go, I could see that your brain is offering this to you. And I know none of this is true, but it feels so true to us in the moment when our brain starts to offer it. So it's, it is an interesting, it's, it's so helpful to, to separate ourselves from our brain in order to see, to see that it's a tool that we can use that we can, you know, wield on our own and however we want to love it. So you've offered us a couple of hacks here. I'd love to hear a couple of more. So I, one was failure for sure. And you said that was step three. What were some of the other ones? (laughs) Well, the first step is really all about managing your brain, right? So what I teach is it's not time management, it's mind management. And our brain is our number one time tool. And I say this because like what we spoke about earlier, so many things that used to take time now don't take time. So for example, getting a promotion, maybe that used to be like, you know, a five-year rule. Now it's the person who goes in and speaks 
and you know says like explains the reasons why and asks for it so the first is really about how we manage our mind and the stories that we believe what we think we are capable of that's step one when you think you are capable of like achieving more in less time your brain's going to start solving it for you yeah i love that i love can i just pause on that for a second yeah it's just so it's so good you mentioned getting a promotion and i talk to a lot of women that are just that are looking for all sort they're looking for balance in all sorts of ways right and usually the first thing they do is they say well I, I have to pull back in my career that's the only way that i can you know serve my family and be the mom that i want to be and i can't i can't actually have it all because it's too hard and so they just they just they that's their first solution and so and sometimes that's legitimate. Like we actually go into the process of saying, maybe you do want to just be home with your kids for a while. And that's like a genuine desire and a dream. And that's great. And so, but there's always this fear. Like if, if I do this, then this is going to take a lot of time. It's going to take forever for me to get back into the workforce. It's going to take forever for me to get back to where I am today. You know, it's going to be this long, long, long process. And so Ultimately, though, what you're telling us is that it's not if we think that it's going to take a long time, then that's what it's going to do. It's we're going to get our brain is going to take as much time as we give it to actually get something done and get to the life that we want. And so when we're talking about creating balance, going after what it is we want, having the life that we want as working moms, it's not really it's it's a it's more about managing what you believe about yourself and what you believe is possible for you and getting in tune with that, that's really what's going to shorten the time frame and get you there faster. Yes. So uh, exactly. So then the second step to time hacking, so you've got the first and the third, the second one comes in how we make decisions and how quickly we implement on those decisions. Because again, it can be very comfortable to sit in, like I call it, I don't know land. Uh, like. I don't know whether I should apply for this job. I don't know if I can, you know, help out at this event for the kids. I don't like, I don't know. And then like, like all the decisions, all everything we do in our life starts with a decision first. And so when we are not deciding and then not implementing those decisions, I like visually explain it to my clients. Like any indecision is like, you're carrying around this backpack full of rocks and you're like, you know, I can't stop and put a rock out because that's going to like slow me down instead of realizing that the weight of the rocks is slowing you down. It's like literally tiring your brain out with all the indecision it has to remember. I'll decide later. I'll decide later. I'll de I decided, but I've not started all of that stuff. So the second step of ha time hacking is making quick decisions and implementing on them fast. Yeah. Yeah. Which sometimes means you get it wrong. That's where the icky feelings it's come in, right? It Sometimes, I mean, you don't get to the result that you and you desired when you were making the, the decision, which is where most people, why people sit in, in and are immobilized by decisions, right? Because they might get it wrong and it might not get to the desired, it might not get to the desired result. So that's where we kind of go back to what we were talking about in terms of just all that sometimes stands in the way of us having all of the time back that we want and having the life that we want is just a willingness to feel something, a willingness to, to feel the fear or to feel the failure and to pick ourselves back up again and move forward. Yeah. And like, what's so interesting there is like, and giving yourself more time doesn't stop you from getting it wrong. No, I like, never still does. get it wrong. <laughs> yes. I love that. More research does not 
make a better decision or a right decision almost ever. I remember this. I was a victim of of being immobilized by decisions until probably about three-ish years ago when I really started to work on it. And I remember uh, now it's probably been like 10 years or so when we needed to buy a car and my car literally like died in the middle of commute. And my husband did all of the research and like presented to me two options. It was going to be a Toyota Camry or a Honda Accord. It was very like tried and true. And uh, he kind of had a sense we were going to get a used one and we wanted to get it from a rental car company. And so he had all of these things and he did most of the research for me. And then we went to go test drive one and it was like, it was right in the price range that he wanted. And it was, it was every, you know, it was exactly all of, it fit all of the, it checked all the boxes and he was like, I'm ready. I'm in. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. We should really think about this. He's like, but, but no, we're like here and this car is good and it's the right color and it's the right price and it's right. It's exactly what we want. I mean, and I, and I was like, I don't, I can't just, I can't do it. I can't make it. I can't commit to anything right now. And so we, we drove away and on the drive home, he was like, well, what would make you feel better about this? Like, what's going to help you to make this decision? And I, and I looked at him and in all honesty, I said, I think whatever we decide, I'm going to feel terrible about it. <laughs> So we should just go, if you really want to buy that car, we should just go back because I'm going, it doesn't matter how much more research and how much more time I give it. I will never probably feel better about this decision. And so I'm going to defer to you. But that that experience really stood out to me because I, all of a sudden I realized how often I spend, I give myself so much time to make decisions. And at the end, I still never feel good about it. Now I do. Now it's a completely different experience. But then <laughs> that's what it was. And I saw the pattern. It was like this big experience where I saw this pattern. Was like, Ugh. And so, yeah, for sure. Decision, t- more time does not make right decisions and never makes you necessarily feel better about your decisions ever. Yes. I think it gives you more time to be more confused, to come up with more. It's kind of like I, I, I'm i like the anti-pro and con list person because all you are doing is creating ammunition to regret it later. And another thing I'll say about decisions, which you, we t- you touched on as well, is the way I see it, it's like the start line of a race. You're trying to map out the best route at the start, but you don't know the route yet. But once you start, like that first decision, even if it's not right, which it probably won't be, we're not telling you that fast decisions means right decisions. But that start, that kickoff shows you more of the race and then you learn and you get smarter and then you do it again. And again, it's kind of like what I say to my clients is you're the dumbest you ever, you'll ever be before you've made that first decision. Make that first decision, take that step forward, you are going to yes. get smarter. Yes, it's so good. Yeah, more decisions gives you more information. It gives you more data mm-hmm. points. It helps you to make better decisions and so forth. Less decisions or slow decisions, you know, makes everything go slower. So yes, I love that. So good. All right. So so we've heard three hacks. Yes. These are beautiful. So what do you find the result of these things are as you really manage your as you manage your mind, as you learn to fail, as you make quicker decisions, what mm-hmm. is the end result for for people? Yeah, like one of my clients is like, I've got 10 hours back a week, another one. And she's like succeeding more and earning more and spending more time with her family. And she's like, not even on every one of our live calls. She's like, just hanging out with my daughter. Like, she's just like having more fun in life. Oh, um, so good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Another one is like, oh, I'm literally achieving more than 50% of the time and I'm able to like do my work and care for my parents and have my kids. And it's really just like when you stop making time the focal point of the either giving it credit for when things go well and it was just the right time or giving it responsibility when they don't and there's not enough of it, you just move faster with less friction and a lot more fun. Yes. More more working moms need more fun. There is no question. Yeah. Gosh, it's and like the first thing that goes out the window. Fun. Yeah. And what's amazing, I think, for working moms, when you stop thinking time equals results, is it's the same. Instead of thinking like, so when I used to work in corporate, I used to go to the gym at lunch. And like, I mean, you can see my hair. The listeners can't, but I've got thick curly hair. I could, <laughs> it's beautiful hair. It's so great. <laughs> uh, so I could work out for 15 minutes max. Then it would be like shower, sort my hair out, everything. And my colleagues would be like, what's the point in going to the gym? Like you have to go for an hour before getting any anything from it. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, is that true though? Because I go for 15 minutes, three, four days a week. And I feel great. And the alternative is to not go, which is what you guys are doing. <laughs> so one of the things I would challenge the working mums listening to think about is like, what if things don't take time? What if, like I have a video in Time Hackers called 30 Second Time Hacks, where it's all about like, 30 seconds can be the difference between like changing your whole day around. Once we stop thinking time is required to feel calm, time is required to have fun, time is required to feel peaceful and relaxed or any of these things. Once we stop associating it, it's not just that we can like do achieve more work in less time. It's that we can start creating play and fun a few minutes at a time and the results of that compound. So, so, so to expect anyone listening to like, guess what? Just like take an hour out of every day this week and do something fun for yourself. It's just unrealistic, right? But you can get there if you want to get there by building out 30 seconds at a time. And guess what? Even if you don't ever want to get there, once you stop thinking you need an hour to achieve anything, you are able to achieve more. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love, I love the, that there's really two pieces you just highlighted, which is really important, I think, for working moms to hear that it's not just about getting more things done, right? So it's not just about getting through more of your to-do lists in your workday, right? It's about a completely different experience of time. It's about it's about things being more fun. Even if you if you take the same task and you you don't feel the pressure of time on it, you're you allow yourself to have more fun with the same task because there isn't pressure. And so all of a sudden every day things in life, everyday tasks, your work becomes a completely different experience because time, you're not racing against the clock to get things done. And so you're experiencing life. You're much more present in life. You're feeling much more control over life. So life and its normal tasks feel more fun, feel more adventurous. You feel more creative. You're just tapping into you know, the joy of life. Even if you're not creating these you know, other experiences that are quote unquote fun, right? That you have fun and then you have life, right? We're not trying to just do that though. We want to do some of that too. We want to have more vacations and we want to have more rest time, but we also just want to change the entire experience, the entire paradigm of how we live our life and how, how it feels to us. Right. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. 
I'm so glad you picked up on that and shared it because it's like the little things like I remember for me when I started to notice how green the trees were like it's such a simple thing but my brain used to be so distracted and consumed and I used to rush everywhere and then I just started noticing how green the trees were and now it's one of my favorite things to look at as I'm still walking from place A to place B, the whole experience of it has changed. And so I think it's so good for your listeners and your audience in particular to start thinking about it that way, because sometimes we make fun this to-do that's heavy that we should be doing and we should be having this whole exciting life as well as doing everything else that we're doing. And sometimes it is just like, what can you enjoy in what you're already doing just by taking away the time pressure? Yeah, for sure. By just not thinking that you don't have enough, right? And taking away the thought, I don't have enough time. Um, it's so good. Oh, we've touched on so many good things here, Vicky. I know that you have you have something you wanted to share about a maybe a class or a training that's coming up. Tell us all about that. Yeah, I'm doing a time investment sprint. So my background was in finance. So it's really combining my time hacking and financial investment background. And the simple premise is we are taught to think about time as an expense. So we spend it every day. And I teach people how to think about time as an asset. Um, And an asset is something we can invest now to create more of in the future. And how most people do that is then doing more today to free up time tomorrow. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Get more done so you could take the vacation without your phone, right? So Yeah, which never (laughs) happens because then you've built the habit of getting more done. Exactly. Right, of course. So this is going to be how to invest time by doing less and achieving more. So it's, yeah, it's a three-day pop-up event. You can just go to course.vickylouise.com forward slash time investing and sign up there. I love um, it. I love it. We'll link to that too. So we'll put that in the show notes for sure that people can people can find out. When is it? Is it coming up? Yeah. End of the month. End of June. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So you. good. So good. Yeah. I love this, Vicky. Just thinking about time and helping helping people to experience time in a completely different way. And because of that, change the entire paradigm of their life, change their productivity, change it all. It's so good. The work you're doing is so important. Thanks for being here. Same to you. Thanks so much for having me. Always fun to hang out. Of course. Of course. All right, working moms, let's get to it. I hope you enjoyed this episode today. If you're looking to create a life where your career and your home life never feel at odds, where you're working less, but achieving at the same level, a life without regret where you know that you're doing exactly what you want to be doing and never missing out on your kid's life, then let me introduce you to the Ambitious and Balanced Working Mom Collective. This is a group of ambitious working moms who believe that work-life balance is possible for them and they're committed to creating it. The program includes 30 short videos and workbooks that will teach you how to create the building blocks of a balanced life, as well as weekly group coaching and in-depth support within a Facebook community. Oh, and did I mention that when you join the collective, you get lifetime access? That means you have access to coaching and material to help support your balanced life in every season. The Ambitious and Balanced Collective launches in June, but you can get a sneak peek of what to expect and get some pretty sweet bonuses if you join early. You can find all of the information on my website, www.rebeccaolsoncoaching.com forward slash coaching.